0: Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, a weekly conversation filled with stories of business, financial literacy, careers, leadership, and resilience. Setting and achieving goals is key. Whether they are related to your finances, business, or career, I hope to empower you with these conversations no matter where you are in life. I'm your host, Angel Radcliffe. And on this show, get ready to change your mindset and start your journey to achieve your lifelong goals. So if you need a little motivation to start your day or jumpstart your next project, tune in and be sure to join our community online at milestonesmotivationmoney.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are chatting with Jacqueline Twilly. Jacqueline is a sought after negotiation strategist who assists women in male dominated industries to negotiate their compensation packages and business deals. She's the founder and president of ZeroGap.co, a global training and development firm that specializes in women leadership within male dominated industries. Jacqueline is a two-time Amazon best-selling author. She's been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Essence, Black Enterprise, Parade, Today.com, NBC, and more. I want to go ahead and welcome Jacqueline to the show and be sure to get out a notepad and get these gems on how you can walk into a better deal in your career and your personal finance as it relates to your salary. Jacqueline, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Angel, for having
0: me. I'm super excited to be on with you. I'm so excited to have you on the show because, as mentioned before, I've been following you for years, and I love the work that you do, and I'm sure the audience is tuned in and ready to write some notes as you drop some gems. So how about you go ahead and share a little bit more about what you do?
1: Yes, so... I am on a mission to eliminate the gender wage gap. Everything that I do in my life comes back to that center point. And so, in my company, Zero Gap, we have a three month leadership intensive for women who work in male dominated industries. And adjunct to that, I teach women how to negotiate. And so I empower women to use their voices to advocate for themselves so they don't leave money on the table. And those are two of the major areas that I help drive the gap and closing it and reaching a zero gap, hence the name of my company,
0: Zero Gap. Wow, that is so interesting. And that's a topic that you really don't hear much about when you're watching the news or even women who are working, women don't stop and and have this conversation. I want to know a little bit more about what drove you to start this particular company. Was it your personal experience? Was it something related to family? Can you expand upon that? Absolutely. So I remember mid-2000s, I was
1: at a networking event. I left my job for the day, and I was excited to meet these group of women, and they were talking about the pay gap, and I went into this room so naive, thinking, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I have an MBA, thinking I was the ish, okay, and it just kept nagging me, so I did my research, and I realized that I, too, was a victim of the wage gap. And I kept digging and researching because it was one of those things where it was just irritating me. And I realized how complex the problem was. It wasn't as simple as, oh, just because I'm a Black woman, I get paid less. It's, there are so many factors that contribute to the wage gap. So I keep going down this rabbit hole and I end up with, okay, what can I do about this? Because if this is bothering me this much, I need to do something. And from all of the research I have been doing, I realized there was two immediate ways that I could make an impact. And the first one was teaching women how to negotiate. Now, that isn't the end all be all to solving the wage gap. That's just one of the ways to close it. And so as a result of that, I was living in Atlanta at the time. I started pretty much spending up to eight hours a day. And this is after my work, because I was working at the Center for Disease Control and Global Immunization and Disease Eradication. So I get off of work and just like go down these rabbit holes of research. So I'm starting to teach women how to negotiate in a workshop style format, which led to me working with women one-on-one. And then I end up writing my first book Navigating the career jungle, a guide for young professionals, which turned out to be an Amazon bestseller right out the gate and stayed on that list for many months. So that's the impetus for me doing the work that I do now.
0: Oh, wow. So it sounds like you've done some extensive research and had the personal experiences. And I love how you're working to empower others because so many women don't take the time to ask those questions and figure out how we can get ahead, especially those of us that work in male dominated environments. And I totally feel you when you think that you've made, you know, you have all these accomplishments and you walk into a room and then now you're finding out, wait a minute, everything that I thought. Was wrong. And now I have to go through a process of relearning. And it sucks. I've been there. So, Jacqueline, it's said that the pandemic has set the women's labor force back more than 30 years. I want to know your thoughts on that. And I also want to know why this topic is so important to you.
1: Yes. So, the pandemic has also been called the she session. Because as we know, when people were forced to work from home and there was no childcare, and no schools, women bore the brunt of having to be co-teachers to the teachers who were on Zoom, running their household, taking care of their young kids, and it forced a lot of women out of the workforce, not by choice because there really isn't a choice um, when you have that much going on. So that's part of why when we're looking at the data now, it's telling us that women in the workforce have been set back at least 30 years now as things rebound and people start to come back to work we'll see what the data says but it's very stark and very grim and anytime something like this happens there has to be extra attention and resources to support women and also to make sure women aren't penalized when they come back into the workforce for having a year or two years off because What happens, um, there's called this mommy gap. When women who are mothers leave to have a baby and they come back a year, two years later, they get paid less because they lost two years of work. So that's one of the things that we're really concerned about when it comes to looking at the She Session and how the pandemic has impacted women who work. Now, your second part of your question was, why is this so important to me? Well, one of my Core values is just giving a damn. I care not just about myself, but I care about my community. And I know that for a fact, and there's tons of research and, and many reports that have proven this that when a woman earns, she not only lifts up her family, but she lifts up her entire community economically. And so I live off the philosophy that the world is abundant. We live in an an abundant place and there's no need for us to sit and lack in limitation. And on top of that, I really just want to see this whole system of inequity broken to pieces where we don't see inequity the way we see it today
0: such amazing insights. And of course, the pandemic has had a traumatic impact on consumers in regards to their finances, as well as their careers. And now I don't want to say that we're nearing the end, but we're at the latter part of it from where we started. We're starting to hear more of this great resignation and all of these amazing career opportunities. Do you feel as though women can really take advantage of the great resignation and increasing their salaries?
1: one hundred percent that any opportunity that a woman is presented with, she can maximize it and turn it into something great for her. And we're going to go beyond the demographics of race and geography and age, because every woman that I've met, you can give her 50 cents and she can stretch it to do what she needs to do. So. That's a long answer to say, yes, I do think women can take advantage of the great resignation to really live the lives that they want, earn the type of money that they want as well.
0: Great. That's so awesome. I want to ask the question as far as your thoughts on if we can ever close the wage gap. And I see every year the statistics will come out and it will say, oh, women are making X amount per $1 for every man. And I know you're the expert here. According to the last time I've looked at the data, I believe it was like 82 cents per dollar that women were making. And you can, of course, correct me if I'm wrong. But when we're looking at these numbers and the reports come out every year and it's only going up like one cent, two cent, do you think that this will eventually close?
1: Yes, I absolutely do. Otherwise, I would not be doing the work that I do today. And you're right, the numbers, when you look at each year when the equal pay days come around we see the flashpoint we see the big number and it's very discouraging it's one of the things where for me and you as black women based on the data we have to work an extra 214 days in the year to earn what our non-hispanic White male counterparts earned. It's even worse for our Native American sisters, and even worse for our Latina sisters. So here's why I answer that yes, this will close. The work that I do every day, and I see stories, and this is one of the reasons why I post on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter success stories of the women that I work with, because every time some a woman earns an extra ten thousand or doubles her salary, that is putting a dent in that. When I teach negotiation workshops, and I do this all over the globe, well, before the pandemic all over, but now pretty much from the stateside broadcasting out, I ask women to make one commitment to me, to go through my negotiation workshop. And when you finish, I want you to have at least one thing that you can implement into your life, but then take that nugget and go back and teach a girl in high school the same thing. Because the earlier we teach young women how to advocate for themselves, how to confidently ask for what they want and not shrink when they get pushback, that's when we're going to see even more progress being made. And then there are unfortunate events like the pandemic that has set us back now we couldn't control that but what we can do now that we understand what's going on is we can equip women and be more conscious as companies as leaders and as individuals ensuring that women get paid at parity to to what their male counterparts are earning
0: definitely and I love that phrase or embracing the phrase each one teach one and in a very similar way is what you're what you're mentioning so you already mentioned your book navigating the career jungle but I know you have another book don't leave money on the table yes. and I love the topic I always see you post about it online and I've joined rooms that you've had on clubhouse when we think about salary negotiation why is it so important? And do you believe this is a strategy that should be taught in college?
1: Well, it's important because as with anything else, when you are empowered to articulate what you want in a confident manner, it helps you to have more agency over your life. And the second part of your question, should it be taught? Absolutely. I've been hired by universities all over the U.S. to teach their Graduating seniors, how to negotiate because even at the university level, they recognize how important it is for their students going out into the world to understand the dynamics of talking about money, getting over the taboo ness of, oh, just be quiet, don't talk about money. And then also, and more importantly, for the young women to know coming out of the gate that they should negotiate for themselves their salaries because research and this research is several years old so this number might be different but it shows us that women who don't negotiate starting with their first job stand to lose over a half a million dollars over the course of their lifetime and when you think about compound interest and your raises are typically one to three percent of your base salary and your 401k is a percentage of your base salary, that compound interest adds up. So the younger that we teach this to women and young girls, the better financial outlook that they'll have for themselves because of that friend compound interest.
0: Wow. I've never thought about it in that way. When you think about the money over time and the compound interest, and it's so important. And I know for myself, being a woman who owns a business and also working in tech, I go through the motions and comparing salary and what I should be making and market value. So I definitely know it's so important and so many people just don't have that particular knowledge. Um, In your book and on your social media, I've often seen you talk about the latte method. And the first time I saw this, I was like, what is she talking about, latte? (laughs) So I actually thought you were talking about a physical latte.
1: well, I would love a good latte, honey. Give me a lavender <laughs> latte any day, and I am a happy camper.
0: So how about you break it down for us on what you actually mean when you say the latte method in negotiating?
1: Yeah, so let me give you the quick backstory. I've been teaching women how to negotiate for many years now, and I was looking for a way that took the stress out of it. Now, when we think of latte just like you... We think of coffee. Coffee typically doesn't elicit an emotion of fear or stress. For most of us, it doesn't. So with negotiation, it often elicits something of nervousness. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to lose this opportunity. And those emotions typically aren't the most positive. So I just straight up was praying one day like God, I need an acronym to teach women how to negotiate and I was sitting at my desk and Latte flowed out. So Latte is a five step framework. It's been extremely successful for women negotiating their salaries for business owners and for women who are negotiating deals for their employer. So the first step is look at the details. The second step is anticipate the challenge. Number three is think about your walkaway point. Number four is talk it through. And number five, the fifth step of latte, which is E, evaluate your options. Now, I go into a lot of detail about it in the book. Got a ton of videos on YouTube about it as well. But that's like your checklist. And I teach women to go into every conversation. And I call negotiations conversations, not battle. Go into every conversation, using Latte as your checklist to set yourself up for success.
0: Wow. And I I think the evaluation part is really what's most important. When your clients are getting to that step, should they have another job offer instead of that market analysis and walk in with both and say, hey, I have another company offering me X amount of dollars. And this is why I deserve more if I stay at this company.
1: Well, it's a little bit more complex than that, because what, what you'll see in situations is that each individual has a certain skill set, and this is why you got to go through all of the steps of LATTE. Step number one, look at the details. 80% of your negotiation is going to be done in your prep. And I say this in the book, that the more you know, the better informed decisions you'll make. So you want to look at a variety of factors. One, like, are you being paid at market rate now? And if you're asking your employer to pay you more, you need to be able to speak to the value you're adding and in a very tangible way, speaking to the KPIs or the OKRs that your organization measure. So while sometimes it can be good to show a competing offer, I've looked at some research that says that people who have a competing offer and their current job counters and they stay they still end up leaving within the next six to nine months anyway so it's one of those things where when you are looking at your full career picture and you're looking at your current salary if you're going to negotiate for more money with your current employer you want to have a very specific game plan and that's where you want to get into the nitty-gritty and really start deep diving into into what it is you want, what are the values you want to really lean on in the next phase of your career, and then look at the money piece too. So it's a multi-layered approach.
0: Thank you so much for that clarification. I'm sure some people will find that valuable. And I know when many people think about equal pay or more pay, sometimes people are thinking they need to be in a higher position. They need to be in a leadership position. I know that that's not true. One of my mottos is, you know, leadership is not your title, but when we're relating this to more so your salary, so Jacqueline, I want to know your definition of leadership and if you believe being in a leadership position actually gets you more money.
1: So my definition of leadership evolves and right now where I'm sitting with it as someone who inspires and drives the results of an organization or community and my MBA way back when I got my MBA my concentration was leadership. And one of the things that I really appreciated was that every leader that I studied and have continued to study over the years, we have various definitions, just like everybody has their own definition of success. So the next point that you, the question you asked was, does leadership equal more money? Well, in some cases it does. Now, I am not one to say that you just need to be really humble and make the bare minimum just enough to survive. As I said earlier, I believe the world is abundant. I believe that we should live our best lives and earn the money that is um, on par with the value that we add to those around us. Now, for those who are in formal leadership positions, you'll know that there's a certain level of stress that comes with being a leader. It's just not... Um, sitting behind a desk and ordering people around, telling them what to do. You have to make a lot of strategic decisions. And that comes with a lot of insight and a lot of um, strategy and planning and and a lot of discernment. So I do think that folks who are in leadership roles should be compensated for the value they add to
0: the organization, just like people who are mid-management and emerging executives. That's awesome information. I'm sure some people will find that very valuable because those are conversations I have almost on a daily basis where people are frustrated with their salaries and they automatically assume, hey, I need to get to this higher level just to make more pay or really trying to find out what their strategy is. And I know everyone's blueprint looks a bit differently, but thank you so much for sharing those particular jewels. Now, for people who are listening and they're wanting to try to determine what their appropriate salary is, what are some actionable steps that they can take right now to understand the industry and market trends?
1: So if they're not an active member of their professional association, that's the first and foremost place I will tell them to start. Almost every professional association has data points for the industry, even broken down by geography. Even if you're working remote, that data still matters to you. So first and foremost, if you're not active in your industry professional association, get in that. Secondly, you can do something like crowdsourcing using the fishbowl app or the blind app. There's a lot of recruiters out there who will give you the information up front. And there's a slow movement in corporate America where organizations are beginning to be more transparent. And if you go to your human resources and you ask them for the salary band for your position, some of them will share it, not all, but professional associations, number one, the Blind app, B-L-I-N-D and Fishbowl app are two good resources.
0: Those are definitely great resources. I have both and I'm always checking the compensation bowl on Fishbowl. (laughs) So guilty as charged. Yes. You know, with Jacqueline, with myself being a financial educator, I am so in tune with personal finance and financial management for small businesses. I, I definitely want to know if you think there's a correlation between the wealth gap and the wage gap.
1: Oh, I, absolutely. Because what you, what most of us start with, especially those that don't come from generational uh, wealth, So there's a strong correlation between the two. There's some research, uh, and I don't remember the financial institution off the top of my head. They just put out a ton of things. I'll send it to you so you can post it in the show notes. But yeah, there is a correlation.
0: And I know when I'm looking at the statistics of the wealth gap, When we look at the average net worth for, if we're specifically looking at African-Americans, the average net worth is $17,000 per family. That's really leaving behind compared to a white family that's leaving 10 times as much as that. Now, if we break it down and we want to look at women, it's a total different number, but I know that you think that there's a correlation, but when we think about closing the wealth gap, when we think about closing the wage gap, Do you have any opinions that the wealth gap will follow behind? So earlier, I mentioned that women
1: who don't negotiate starting their first job stand to lose a half a million dollars over the course of their careers, at least a half a million, in part because of compound interest. When we begin to earn more and our base salary is higher, that gives us the bandwidth to make smart financial decisions and invest our money and make our money grow and work for us. So from that perspective, I see a direct correlation.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And I always ask my guests this one question as we get ready to close out the show. A part of my brand is balling on a budget. And this has been around for years. It's the title of my financial workbook. But I would love to know in your own words, what does balling on a budget mean to you?
1: Balling on a budget for me is this really, I think it's such a smart concept where you know where every penny is going. It doesn't mean you're eating pork and beans and you're not having a good time, but it just means that every dollar that goes out is accounted for. And when you know where your money is going, you're balling.
0: I like that. I like that. (laughs) So Jacqueline, do you have any last words for the listeners today? I do. I will say one,
1: keep subscribing to this podcast, share it with your friends. And also when it comes to negotiation, do not negotiate against yourself. Don't get in your own head before the negotiation begins and talk yourself out of it.
0: Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for being a guest. And thanks so much for all of the great information that you've shared today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: I hope you've enjoyed the show. Be sure to leave us a review and let us know any ideas you have for a future show topic. And if you really want to show us some love, Share this episode with a friend and be sure to join our community online, milestones, motivation, and You can also follow us on Instagram at milestonesmotivationandmoney. motivation, and money. Tune in next time.